Hello there, I'm Jamie Adams. And I'm Ian Chandler. And I'm Ian McAllister, and this is Brainwaves episode 51, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of 22nd of June, 2020. Origins Online goes offline. Wizards bans racist magic. Cars Against Humanity are against humans. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Over now to Ian Chandler with the reports on Origins Online. Origins Online has been cancelled amidst mass walkout of guests over silence on American Profest. On June the 10th, we started to see multiple exhibitors, presenters, and more drop out of the online convention. Lots of big names involved, Eric Lang, Elizabeth Hargreave, Restoration Games, and even Board Game Geek itself. The walkout was prompted by Origins' silence on the protests in America. On June the 11th, Origins Online was cancelled, with a statement finally released by the organisation. They've also cancelled the rescheduled physical show that was going to take place in October. I'll read from that statement now. The Game Manufacturers Association believes that Black Lives Matter. We unequivocally condemn racism and violence against people of colour. We've been too late in making that statement with force, and we apologise. The injustices of today demand that every person of good conscience make clear where they stand, and we wish we had been more proactive, more strident, and more effective with our voices. Innocent people of colour are being killed in the streets of the communities where we live, and it is not acceptable. We cannot responsibly hold our virtual convention, Origins Online, in this setting. Even if it were possible to hold it, it would not be appropriate to do so. So we are announcing here that Origins Online is cancelled. Now, many of the people who walked out were unhappy with the statement that Origins put out, and Eric Lang, head designer at Simon Games, put out a statement that we would also like to read a short excerpt from. Gamma made a strong statement to meet the moment and cancelled Origins Online. The decision was correct and righteous. However, the statement is misleading and highly problematic. What you may not know is that preceding the statement, most people of colour, guests, and hosts stepped down from the convention for a variety of reasons, but one is disappointment with the failure to meet the moment. The showrunner also walked. The walkout surely triggered the meeting which likely led to the decision to cancel the show, but the statement drafted makes it look like a brave moral epiphany, and unintentionally erases the action of all people of colour involved in the show. In fact, for those following social media today who read the statement first, and then the post from the guests, it must seem like a lot of people rashly and petulantly walked away from a show that was clearly going to do the right thing anyway. This is erasure, and it is gaslighting. The people in colour involved, not me, I'm fine, bravely risked their careers and industry capital to make this stand, and they're completely removed from the conversation, except for the statements they make themselves. So that was Eric Lang and his statement on the Origins Online convention. There's a bit more of that statement that we'll link to in the show notes as well, but that's the sort of relevant first part of it. Yeah, it's it, it just feels like they came very late to the realization that they should have said something. They're meant to be the leading authority, in the, certainly in the American games industry, and they said nothing for a long time and were essentially forced into saying something. And when they did say something, my reading of that is it feels like they're kind of blaming the protests for having to cancel their show. Which isn't a great look. It's not excellent, yeah. 
yeah, the fact that it forced it, they were forced into it by their guests, and then they didn't mention anything about their guests forcing it, just reads to me like they were. Oh, I don't even know. Just not a good look from Origins online there. And who knows if Origins, who knows if Gamma survives that? I think it will survive it, but I think its reputation has taken a a hit. Yeah. I think there's been some a couple of rearrangements in Gamma's upper structure as well. We'll bring you more on that in the next cast. I, I saw a couple of articles that we haven't had a chance to look into as yet, but I think some of the, the upper management structures changed a little bit as well, so that might be leading to better changes for Gamma down the line. Anyway, Jamie, what have Wizards been up to recently? Well, in response to the protests across the world seeking justice for George Floyd, uh, many black Americans killed by the authorities, and the question of systemic racism endemic in society. Uh, Many branches of entertainment have been pulling what they would deem questionable material from their back catalogues. Now, gaming itself is not immune to this, and Wizards of the Coast have banned seven cards from Magic the Gathering that have racist connections. Now, it's easy to see from the names why some of these might be banned. Uh, The names are Invoke Prejudice, Cleanse, Stone Throwing Devils, Pradesh Gypsies, Jihad, Imprison, and Crusade. Now, there's been some question over the card Invoke Prejudice specifically, which shows robed figures very much in the style of the KKK. Now, the card's database entry in Gatherer, which is the Magic the Gathering card database, by a sheer coincidence, a lot of people would say, is 1488. Now, that number specifically is a racist dog whistle. Now, the 14 part refers to 14 words. We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children, which was coined by David Lane, who was a member of the Order, a white supremacist fascist group. And 88 is fascist shortcode for Heil Hitler, as H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. Now, in recent years, Wizards of the Coast has made a lot of concerted efforts to diversify their art style and their pool of artists, presenting a much more welcoming game to to women and different ethnic groups. And this being anything, this has provoked a, a backlash from people who aren't happy to see a more diverse palette of art. Uh, if you're listening to this, I will say, please go away, please don't listen to the podcast, and you will not be missed. That's fair. I mean, it's good to see Wizards taking some action against these cards, whether the coincidence of it being 1488 and that particular card is coincidence or not is probably going to be remain in speculation forever. Either way, it's been seized upon and the connection's you know. severed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've seen a few people saying online that it's grand that Wizards is finally taking action against some of their worst cards, but there's a lot of people saying this is not the action that people are asking for when they say games yeah. companies should be taking action. I've seen that comment from a few people who are we're talking about, like, in the UK, uh, a particular episode of Faulty Towers got taken down off UK TV play, and there's a com- and a show called Little Britain that had some blackface and it was taken down as well. Some blackface? Well. There's a lot of blackface yeah. in there. Yeah, probably a lot of blackface, actually, yeah, come to think about it. But yeah, basically saying, like, this is all well and good, but that's not really the action we want. It's it's a it's almost a distraction from the more systemic racism that we're talking about. 
And it, it, it's good to see little actions like this, but yeah, it needs to be followed up with actual action and within the company structure, encouraging uh, Bane designers to come forward onto the team and help out and have a more diverse range of voices on their staff. So we'll see if that, that happens down the line and uh, we'll bring you more on that uh, if that does happen or if, it, in fact, if it doesn't happen, because that's probably more important. From horrible cards to horrible card game for horrible people. Yes, indeed. Cards Against Humanity. It's a card game for horrible people. That is literally their tagline. It is how it sells itself. And now it turns out that the people that run the company may in fact be horrible people. Anita Sarkeesian, who's a prominent video games critic, has come forward to acknowledge that she was friends with Max Temkin, the head of the studio, and that she should have cut ties with him earlier over allegations of abuse within the structure at the company. This has rather put the cat amongst the pigeons and has caused a lot of other people to speak out about their time at the company. In particular, a former employee called Teresa Stewart posted a thread on Twitter detailing her experience at the company. As a queer woman of colour, she was belittled, ignored and had concerns pushed aside. This included concerns about a stunt the company pulled to give minuscule reparation checks to people as part of their Cards Against Humanity Saves America drive. That was also the time they started buying up um, border land between Mexico and America to stop the Trump's wall being built, that it was part of that whole stunt. Uh, the thread details a hostile working environment, especially if you're a woman, and doubly so if you're a person of colour. At the time of broadcast, Cards Against Humanity have not responded to any of these allegations, and a little bit of bonus information we managed to dig up. Cards Against Humanity are currently trying to put a board game cafe in Chicago. We reported on that sometime last year, if I remember correctly. And they keep calling themselves the first board game cafe in Chicago. Uh, that is blatantly not true. There's a cafe called the Bonus Round Cafe, which has repeatedly asked them to not call themselves the first board game cafe in Chicago. And Cards Against Humanity have basically ignored them. So, yeah. Full of lovely people there who seem to be doing horrible things. I mean, from my own point of view, I've never really liked Cards Against Humanity. I think it's an excuse to be quite nasty about a lot of diverse groups because there's a lot of really horrible stuff in Cards Against Humanity. I mean, deliberately so, that's kind of the point. But there are just better party games out there. More interesting party games, funner party games where you're not just hurling insults at people all the time go and find apples to apples which was the original game that cards against humanity is based on that's a much gentler game still full of weirdness and sort of oddness and, and craziness but just less out and out insulting and horrible but I, th I think the appeal from it i mean certainly from my perspective when i've played it in the past and when i enjoyed it was was the shock behind it that you're like oh, god i can't believe they're actually you know this is yeah. they're actually cars doing this and you know i played it I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the shock factor of it, but time has gone on and I I have changed. You know, it's human condition to, to experience new things and change because of it. And I've changed and gone, yeah, I don't find it fun anymore. But I understand where the appeal is coming from. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely an appeal in Shock Valley. I can, I can certainly understand that. Anyway, we'll bring you more on that as the story develops. On with the news. It's me again. A little update from episode 34. If you cast your mind back to last year and that particular episode, we were talking about the Unbroken Kickstarter who had gotten involved with a company called Golden Bell. 
and Golden Bell are a company that offer to fulfill Kickstarter projects, generally stepping in in the final stages of a project to help out with fulfillment, distribution, that kind of thing, actually getting the game manufactured and into people's hands. In actuality, a lot of the time they cause more chaos than they solve, and backers for Unbroken have had repeated requests for more money in order to get their game, which is what it brought to our attention and our original report. Uh, we were under the impression that a lot of this had been resolved, but the company are still at it. Ross Connell from More Games Please, who's previously been a guest on the show, shared a recent email that he had gotten from the company on Twitter about the campaign where they are once more asking for money to complete shipping and blaming the quite frankly rightly irate backers for all the trouble that has been caused during the campaign. Again, we really feel for the designer of Unbroken, who has got himself into a bit of a, between a rock and a hard place here. But it's just a reminder that if you are approached by a company like Golden Bell, please look into them properly. Please ask other designers and Kickstarter backers and Kickstarter project managers who they've used in the past. Because I, I, I think I think Golden Bell got banned from Kickstarter, didn't they, Jamie? Uh, officially, as about the thirty first of January, twenty twenty, um, they have been officially suspended. Yes, and Board Game Geek. And board game geekers. Oh yes, that's right. Because they went after people. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll link to our original article about that because that contains some more information about what happened with that. And yeah, just be very very careful if you are a Kickstarter project manager. If you're planning a Kickstarter, be very careful about the people who you're dealing with. There's loads of good advice out there from people who have done this a lot. Uh, go and find it on Facebook, Twitter. There's various sites out there that we can share share with you. Get in touch with us, and we can point you in the right direction if you need it. Um, just be very careful who you're using and. Tr- don't use any company called Golden Bell. Anyway, moving on, Mr. Chandler, I believe uh, another new site has imploded recently. Indeed. Everything Board Games has imploded. Everything Board Games is a review site based in the USA that accepts reviews from a host of volunteer contributors. Read unpaid contributors. <laughs> yeah. After the protests in the States and events in the gaming world at Gamma, many of the writers for the site approached the owner, Lake Leafty, about putting out a statement on the site and about what they could do in the future. The group of writers tried to argue their point through several avenues, but were shut down at every turn. They saw they had little choice but to walk and released a statement to that effect. From that statement, many of us at Everything Board Games were discussing what we could do to help people overcome their differences and see all gamers as friends. When asked directly what we could expect to see even a simple Black Lives Matter statement from Everything Board Games, we were told there would be none, with the direct quote, this is Everything Board Games, not Everything Politics. After voices of dissent began to populate the thread on our internal group, the thread was deleted and new posts of any kind could not be made without admin approval. We were also cut off from our own work, unable to get access to our reviews. The statement goes on to say that they did not think what they were asking for was overtly political, just being decent people. That everything board game has not always been like this, they are proud of the work they have done, but can no longer in good conscience continue at the site. Everything Board Games had a successful Kickstarter campaign for digital and print run magazine in May this year. The first issue is out, but with writers walking for the project, it is unclear at this stage what effect this will have on future issues. Everything Board Games have responded to the walkout. From that statement, At Everything Board Games, we are committed to our core mission, which is to help bring gamers and the games they love together. To create a space and a community where we can hang out together and just have fun. This, we believe this is especially important right now as we live in a time of political and social unrest. In order to make this happen, 
everything board games has chosen to refrain from getting involved or advocating certain politics, religion, or any other hot topics. This is why we have chosen to not make an official statement. So, in the wake of this, Everything Board Games' Facebook community site has certainly become an interesting place. Um, I can imagine. (laughs) This lovely little effective dog whistle from Everything Board Games has sent up the bat signal, and it is full of pro-Trump comments and lots of those kind of pretty nasty statements. The statement doesn't seem to realise that in order to make a welcoming space, you have to curate it. You just have to. I mean, I, I saw an article recently that was saying that was talking about sort of online communities and basically saying when they, I can't remember who it was, it was some gaming community, but when they basically actively got rid of people who are being openly misogynistic, racist, and just nasty, the sort, the just the level of harassment and just sort of slightly sort of low level kind of stuff just went away. Because they, they, because those people were the, the same people who were being overtly racist were also like encouraging others to be a little bit nastier than they might might normally be. It just it fosters that kind of animosity between people, and getting rid of them is just like, yep, our community's just nicer now. Yeah, yeah, you can't be a welcoming space if you're not managing it. To all those who say I don't want politics here, there, anywhere, here's the thing. Politics pervades every single part of our society, whether consciously or unconsciously, even to be part of the society even slightly, is to engage in politics. I'm a f- and, and, and I hate I, I hate to be, you know, sounding domineering and overbearing, but this is the world we live in. Indeed, and especially when it comes to art. And if you want board games to be considered an art form, which many do, then art is intensely political it just is by its very nature we have game we have games that deal with colonialism with war with actual politics <laughs> so of course games are political like every game is political in a way that's, that's just the nature of making art you're saying something with the thing you produce i've got spirit island sitting beside me right now which is a game that is about anti-colonialism <laughs> effectively you know Games are political. That is just the nature of it. And, say, and saying that you won't won't take a statement, sorry, sorry, saying that you will not make a statement is in itself political. Anyway, indeed, we could we, we could talk we could talk about that for an entire cast plus some. I'm let, sure. Let, let, let us move on. That will be our whole next season. Time for some good news from Wizards, Jamie. Yes, I seem to be the Wizards of the Coast man today. That's fine. Uh, there's been a post on the seventeenth of June on the Dungeons & Dragons website from the development team, in which they discuss the development and scope of future supplements of the 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, Their plan is, they say in the statement, is in order to make D&D as welcoming and inclusive as possible. And the statement uh, goes, Throughout the 50-year history of D&D, some of the peoples in the game, Orcs and Drow being two of the prime examples, have been characterised as monstrous and evil, using descriptions that are painfully reminiscent of how real-world ethnic groups have been and continue to be denigrated. That's just not right, and it's not something we believe in. Despite our conscious efforts to the contrary, we have allowed some of these old descriptions to reappear in the game. We recognise that to live our values, 
we have to do an even better job in handling these issues. If we make mistakes, our priority is to make things right. Now, part of their response to this uh, is to follow on from their portrayals of orcs and drow in a different light in their books Eberron, Rising from the Last War, and Explorer's Guide to Wildermount. Uh, they will be following on by releasing different depictions of each race uh, to kind of make them each race more of a, a round, an ideas of a rounded, three-dimensional, you know, variable race of uh, individuals uh, in future supplements. And they will also be releasing a what they're calling a product, so I don't know what that is, probably a book, later this year, that is going to deal with the somewhat contentious issue of racial attribute bonuses. And apparently it's going to allow players to customise the origin of their characters, which sounds like they're going to try and bring some sort of life path generation to Dungeons & Dragons. Now, I understand why some people might go, yeah, but dwarves by their nature are good at this and not good at that and i go yeah but that's the that's the nature that we have given them yeah there's nothing to say it can't change in different worlds that's, yeah absolutely you know that that's that's interesting and i'm 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 bored with that now in the curse of strad adventure set in ravenloft a group called the vistani were introduced now they were heavily criticized for basically a being ethnic stereotypes of the Romani people. Uh, that's going to be rectified with the assistance of a Romani consultant to portray them in a more realistic light and, you know, keep them fantastical whilst keeping away from the problematic stereotypes that some of them have. Now, Dungeons & Dragons is also going to endeavour, they say, to work with uh, a more diverse team of writers, developers, artists, a pool of creatives... Uh, for future supplements, and they'll take sensitivity readers into consideration and work with them regarding future supplements. Now, I just want to finish this with uh, the way they finish their statement. We will continue to listen to you all. We created 5th edition in conversation with the D&D community. It's a conversation that continues to this day. That's at the heart of our work. Listening to the community, learning what brings you joy, and doing everything we can to provide it in every one of our books. This part of our work will never end. We know that every day someone finds the courage to voice their truth, and we're here to listen. We are eternally grateful for the ongoing dialogue with the D&D community, and we look forward to continuing to improve D&D for generations to come. Now those are, some might say, mighty fine words. And we hope, and I'm trying, hopefully I speak for the majority of the board game community here, I hope that Wizards will stick to this, and we will see improvement from that in the near future. I mean, we've just had D&D Live, where they announced uh, Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden, to be the new adventure. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what they bring there. Yeah, indeed, it's good to see a big company like that making such a strong statement. Hopefully, as you say, that is followed up with actions. Yes. Jamie, there's hedgehogs in Germany. Yes, Jamie. Over to Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Now, every year since we started the podcast, I do the awards. And last podcast, we talked about the announcement of the nominations for the Spiel de Jahres Awards. And it's the Kinderspiel uh, and the Kennerspiel. Now, we have our first winner. The Kinderspiel is traditionally announced a month or so before the Spiel and the Kennerspiel. 
And the winner of the 2020 Kinderspiel de Jahres is Hedgehog Roll by Urtis Sulinskis, uh, published by Lifestyle Board Games and Piatnik, illustrated by Irina Petschenkina. I hope that's right. I hope I've said it okay. But it's a race game for one to four players aged four and up. Tennis balls, which represent the hedgehogs, roll over uh, a modular board uh, with Velcro leaves and apples and mushrooms sticking to the hedgehogs. And you need to get the right combination of things in order to move along the board and win. Now, there's a, 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 co- a competitive element. There's also a cooperative element where you're running away from a fox. And there's advanced rules for older players. This sounds wonderful. Uh, I love it. It does yeah, sound great. I, I really want to play it. All the games in the Spiel des Jahres oeuvre are judged in four main categories. Now, they're judged on game concept. Now, that's originality, playability, and game value which I think is something that's not taken into account in a great deal other uh, awards. The second one is rule structure, covering composition, clearness, and comprehensibility. Layout, covering box, board, and rules. And finally, design, covering functionality and workmanship. Now, I believe it was last year, it may have been two years ago, when the Spiel de Jahres committee put out a statement after the nomination saying, we had to disqualify so many games from consideration because their rule books were awful. We are not proofreaders. Uh, well done to Solinskis. And uh, a reminder that the Spiel de Jahres and the Kenner Spiel will be awarded on the 20th of July. And stay tuned to Brainwaves because it'll be my voice telling you who's won. Ian! From, I believe from bundles of joy to a bundle of money and a bundle of games. Indeed. If you are not familiar with it, itch.io is a popular site with indie computer and tabletop game creators. There's thousands and thousands of games on there that you can download and play, very much in the sort of vein of Steam or the Epic Store, things like that. A recent bundle, which you could get for as little as $5, had over 1,750 games in it, including a personal favourite, Blades in the Dark, the Lancer RPG, some great indie computer games, assets for making your own games, all sorts of tabletop games and computer games in there, loads and loads of stuff. Now, the important thing about this bundle was that all the proceeds were going to go to the National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People, the NAACP Legal Defence and Education Fund, split with the Community Bail Fund. Now, the bundle is now over. Uh, but it managed to, to raise over $8 million. The original target was something like $500,000, and they had to keep pushing up the target because it was just proved so, so popular. Uh, there, there are so many games in there. that I've had a wee look through, and there's an incredible amount of stuff in there. We will bring you some thoughts on any games we find in there or anything that gets recommended to us because it's quite a big pile of things to pick through. But I am, I, I'm off on holiday this week, and I am planning to play the... Have I Been Good, a LARP you can play with your dog. That sounds lovely. Just wonderful. So I'll, I'll, I'll try and get that done this week, and I'll maybe I'll stick up why, uh, my experiences of it on the site when I've got that sorted out. I know for a fact that this bundle does contain possibly your favourite RPG, Blades in the Dark. And if you want to see Ian's uh, thoughts on that, I believe there's a review on the website. There is indeed. And yeah, it, it's worth it for Blades alone, quite frankly. It's a great RPG. Even if you never run it, there's some excellent player and GM advice in there as well, which I thoroughly recommend you read. I was also going to say, just if you meet Ian, just say, tell me about Blades in the Dark, and then sit down for about 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> minutes? I'm being generous. 
Anyway, Jamie, it's nom 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 time over at Simon. Now, Cool Mini or Not have announced that they're getting in on the print and play boom that has been going on during this lockdown. Uh, and they have made their game Foodies, a game about being rival, I guess, restaurant managers in a food court trying to tempt people over with your tasty, tasty treats. Uh, free for print and play on their website. They have uh, pl- made a large donation to the NAACP. And they have asked that if you download Foodies, make a donation to the NAACP. Make what you can. Also, Eric Lang, who is the game director at Cool Mini or Not, or Simon, has been tweeting about his experience as a person of colour when he worked at Fantasy Flight Games and some of the incidents he experienced in Minneapolis with the police. Now, this is relevant because Fantasy Flight Games itself is based in Minneapolis. It's a hard read, not going to lie, but I urge everyone to read it and just go, yep, this is... This is an everyday occurrence, and this is not normal. This should be changed. But yeah, if foodies tempts your your gaming palate, uh, head on over to Coolmania or Not's website where you can buy it. I mean, you can also buy the box version. It is still out there. It's just this is free. Uh, just ask for a donation to the NAACP. So you do you. Indeed. Thanks very much for sticking with us for this cast, folks. And there's been quite a lot of hard stuff to talk about in there, but we never like to steer away from sort of hard topics in the industry. Uh, that is why we put this cast together. Before we leave, though, uh, let's uh, and do our little outros. We just like to give a little shout out to our patrons, especially our executive producers, Lucky Sparrow Gaming Cafe. Hopefully, they will be able to be back up and running in the not too distant future as lockdown restrictions start to to lift a little bit. And we just like to remind people that we're trying to get you involved in the cast uh, to hear your dulcet tones on the cast in our Vox Pops. So what we're going to be doing is if you keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook, we'll be putting out some of the articles that we'll be talking about on forthcoming casts. And then what you can do is record a little bit of audio for us. We'll be asking particular questions of you, like we'd be interviewing you in the street, like you might see on the BBC or your uh, news network of choice. And uh, then you can reply to those questions. You can record that audio just on your phone or if you've got a proper recording set up at home, do it that way and we'll get you into the cast. So yeah, just keep an eye out on that. We'd like to get that up and running soon and hopefully we'll hear some of you giving your opinions on articles of the day. But Ian, before you go, we have some news. More news. Yes, it's the outro now. I think I'm just checking my uh, my watch. Oh yes, it's two hairs past a freckle. It means it's the outro. Excellent. And I believe Ian Chandler has been up to no good. Ian Chandler has been up to a lot of good. I set up a new subreddit called r slash board game discussion on Reddit. Um, basically, I was extremely unimpressed with Reddit's stance on getting rid of the racist nonsense in Reddit board games community. So... I set up an alternative with a focus on absolutely zero tolerance on bigotry. No dog whistles, no nothing. Anyone racist, anything like that just gets kicked out. Goes for transphobia, sexism, racism, just literally any dog whistle bigotry, they're out. The aim is to facilitate some real heavy in-depth board day discussion and create an incredibly welcoming community for people who want to just think about board games and discuss them. 
So yeah, if you fancy some board game discussion without any bigotry whatsoever, pop into reddit.com forward slash r forward slash board game discussion. Yeah, it's been really good so far. I've had a good few conversations with people already. It's been great. I don't use Reddit, but I might just start. Jamie, really? No Monopoly news this week. Again. I, I'm sorry. Listen, we had, we, you have one we had job. Trip, we had, no, I don't. We had a triple... I'm, <laughs> I, excuse me. I am, excuse me. I do not have one job. I am the awards guy. I'm the legal guy. And I'm the Monopoly news guy. Well, we got a triple header of Monopoly news uh, a podcast or two ago, so I think I'm deserving a break a little bit. But I do have news from The Op, which is USAopoly. Which uh, you guys like uh, Disney films, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know Disney films. Uh, fair uh, and you've all played um, Munchkin, maybe by Steve Jackson Games. Yeah, it's, it's I guess I guess it's uh, in comfortably in the realm of classic board game now. Ooh, that's a yeah. terrible thought. Well, old, but yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> slam the two together, and what do you get? That's right, the mouse ruling all. Oh, the mouse, the mouse. <laughs> In a collaboration with USAopoly and Steve Jackson Games, who have already brought us uh, Munchkin Marvel, Munchkin DuckTales, and Codenames Marvel, we have Disney Munchkin. It sounds like it's going to be classic Munchkin, start at level 1, aim is to get to level 10, help and hinder your opponents on the way there, and special Disney magic rules will benefit the cardholders who can sing or hum a Disney movie tune. How does that work? i got no idea, I haven't played it. I'll I'll keep an eye out on it and see see how that might work. Uh, depends on what films and what songs as well, because I mean, there's a solid hierarchy of Disney songs. I mean, you know, Hunchback of Notre Dame, almost anything from that film. Jamie, is Jamie, like Jamie, look, en- en- enough about games that take far too long and aren't that great. How about Double Variants? That's what we all really want, right? Double's fantastic. Love double. Love double. Double takes a minute. It's fantastic. Double Variants are on the way. The OP, which Jamie was just talking about, USA Opoly, has licensed Spotted in the States, which is known as Double on our shores. Uh, as Jamie said, they produce a lot of sort of tie-in uh, titles. So the, the OP are going to be producing a bunch of double variants coming this year, hopefully hitting around about autumn. They've got a dollar price of fourteen ninety I'd imagine the pound price will be reasonably similar from other do- double variants I've seen. It's like 12, 12 to 15 quid usually. I'm a, I'm a big fan of double. It's fantastic. If you want a little tin of games that you can carry anywhere with you that are really, really fun, pick up double. It's like 10, 12 quid. It's fantastic. We would like to thank you very much for listening. Thanks for sticking with us in this cast where we've been talking about some difficult things. If you like what you've listened to, then as always, the best way to help us out is just to share the podcast around and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can get in touch with us uh, through a bunch of social media. Our main one is Twitter at The Giant Brain. Our Instagram is Giant Brain UK. Uh, Facebook, where you can have some discussions with ourselves, is Facebook. Uh, just search for The Giant Brain, you'll find us. Our website is where all our podcasts and articles are posted. That's giantbrain.co.uk. And you can email us about anything on the show or any bits of news or anything you'd like to say about articles, past, present, or future at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>